Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. All right, here's a zinger. So we're going to get started here. Here's a zinger for me for this week. And it's Henry Blackaby, when he's talking about his daughter and, and her cancer, he says, I will never look at my situation except against the black backdrop of the cross. In the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God forever convinced me that He loved me. I will never look at my situation. I will never look at any circumstance except against the background of the cross that we were just singing about. I mean, that's powerful. That's profound as we think about it because uh, most of you here got to hear my friend Joe last week, right? You could tell he was a big talker, right? <laughs> no. But I mean, think about Joe. Think about what's going on. He struggled a lot in his life. There was, there were some other issues, you know, before this health stuff that was going on. And, uh, but to find out that he is terminal, you know, cancer, uh, of his liver and that it's going to kill him unless he can find a liver, you know, replacement. And he's dealing with all that, all that stuff day in, day out, the pain, uh, the missing work, all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and then to finally get a, a liver, oh yeah, come on in, but to find out that that liver's got hepatitis C. You know, how many of us at that particular point be going, really God, really? But not only does he get the liver with us, has hepatitis C, but then, his body uh, absorbs hepatitis C, con- uh, contracts hepatitis C, and and it contracts the hepatitis C, but it starts rejecting his liver. How many of us at that point would go, really God? Really? And then for all of the complications that go on uh, physically to be in excruciating pain and extended way beyond four times beyond the time in the hospital that he thought he would originally be in there. It seems that God had given him the ability to look at his situation against the backdrop of the cross. You know, what happened... And what is going on in Joe's life is enough to send most people spiraling into a deep, dark hole of bitterness, of anger, of worry, of fear. But instead of being mad at God, or angry, or bitter, or depressed, or fearful, Joe is, well, he's full of peace. He's full of hope. He's full of joy. He's full of purpose. Why? Is it because he just doesn't get it? Is it because he doesn't value his life or his child or his wife or what he has, you know, as much as we do? Why? 
I believe it's because he knows that he knows that God loves him. He knows that he is a child of God. And he knows that God is a good, good father. That God is his perfect father. I believe Job knows that he is completely uh, at peace, uh, that he is completely at peace, uh, that God has his best interests at heart. And as Job shared with us last week, he believes that God's got this. That he's got this. Emotionally, spiritually, and every other way, Joe has climbed into the big old lap of God and he is resting in the arms of the eternal comforter. He's resting in the arms of the sure sustainer. He's resting in the arms of the able healer. Wow. What that says to me is this, that the presence of God is transformational. You might want to fill that out. It's the first blank on your outline. The presence of God is transformational. I asked Siri what transformation means. And I'll just tell you this. I I didn't do a screenshot. I just saved you that this week. But it is radical and wonderful. When we truly encounter Him, when we truly experience Him, not just information about God, not religiosity, but when we encounter the living God that loves us, it is absolutely transformational and it will transform every circumstance of your life. When we allow Him to bring true perspective into our hearts and to our lives. See, God doesn't just give you a dose of hope or a dose of peace or a dose of joy whenever you need it. What He gives you is this, Himself. Himself. That's what Joe is testifying of. That's what Joe is experiencing. Hey, my Father, I am in Him and He is in me. And it's what we were talking about way back when we were talking about abiding. Jesus says, You know, I am the vine and you are the branches and you are in me. And if you're in me, I'm in you. And it changes everything. It goes from us trying to live the Christian life to us just simply having a relationship, a love relationship with God. And then letting Him juice us up with His good old Jesus juice. The biggest problem with so many people is that at the core of their being, here it is, at the core of their being, they are not convinced that God is a loving God and that He loves them. They don't know that there is nothing that they can do that will keep God from loving them. And God wants to remind you there's nothing that you can do that will keep God from loving you. Nothing. I mean, I can remember, you know, growing up that there were times that I would do something that I knew that my mom or dad didn't want me to do and I would be like, oh, I don't want to hang out with them right now. But the truth is, is nothing that I did would keep them from loving me. It can definitely impact the fellowship. It didn't impact their love for me, but it impacted my ability or, or availability to receive love. There's nothing that we can do that can keep God from loving us. 
powerful reminder. Now listen, we can't fault unbelievers for this. We can't fault the people out there in the world that just, you know, has got an issue with God, that's mad at God and, you know, thinks that God is just, you know, not a loving God. We can't, we can't fault them. We can't fault them. But, but what about, what about believers? What about followers of Christ? What about those of us who are people of faith? Unfortunately, there are so many fearful, miserable, insecure, and fruitless Christians that is, is absolutely sad. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I encounter people that have issues with God, and it's because we've done such a poor job as being ambassadors for Him. It's like Gandhi said, he said, I would be a Christian if I simply didn't know any. Come on. It's just this issue that God wants us to deal with us because it starts here and it starts now. What about you? Are you truly convinced that God loves you? That God is madly in love with you? Ask yourself that question. Ask God. Give, have, have the guts. Be brave enough and courageous enough to ask that question. Am I convinced that God loves me? See, this is what is at the very core of what we are experiencing these days through experiencing God. Are you convinced that God loves you? Really? So here's how I want to break the rest of our time together down. Number one, you know, I want us to ask, what does God want me to know? I want you to, I want you to say, God, what do you want me to know? Today. What do you want me to know today? See, some of you want to check out on me right now because you go, yeah, I know God is love. I know He loves me. No, 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 no. But are you living that? Are you living like that? Are you experiencing the joy, peace, and all that in, in, in the midst of some really bad circumstances? Maybe a health crisis? Maybe a relational crisis? Maybe a job crisis? Are you filled with hope and peace and joy and purpose? Because if not, then you're not really convinced that God loves you. God, what do you want me to know? Are y'all willing to ask that question today? Huh? God, what do you want me to know? And then we're going to ask, well then, what do you want me to do? But let's start with what does God want me to know? Well, it's the second reality that is in our experience in God, and that is this. God pursues a continuing love relationship with me that is real and personal. God is pursuing that relationship that is intimate, real, personal, and dynamic. It's tangible. It is so real and, uh, and dynamic that it enables someone like Joe to go, hey, discouragement? Not a chance. It's so real and personal that it will enable you at a, at a moment... Uh, that you receive news that is very frightening, that God wells up within you peace and courage and hope. It's transformational. Several verses that came from our study this week, just want to highlight. First is, is John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. 1 John 4, 
9 through 10 and 19, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him, that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love because He first loved us. The reason we're able to quote the verse out of Matthew, um, our verse of the week, is because God first loved us. And as we encounter His love, then we know what love is. We know what true love is. God's demonstrated His love time and time again for me and you. And then on page 51 of Experiencing God, He sums it up. God would cease to be God if He expressed Himself in any, other, in any way other than perfect love. And this is where we get hung up every now and again because you know we have circumstances and we have issues and we have things that happen in our life and we go, this don't feel good. Uh, we have sicknesses or, or people do things to us or, or, or we are victimized, whatever the case is, and we go, man, this can't be good. But God demonstrates Himself to me and you through perfect love always. And He wants me and you to come to the place in our life to say, hey, I don't like this situation, but I know that my God is an awesome God. My God is bigger. There's nothing that's impossible with Him. There's a passage in Luke chapter 15 that really is the hallmark passage for us as far as a picture of God's love. It's exclusive to the Gospel of Luke. And many of you know what I'm talking about. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, some call it the parable of the lost son, the, the, uh, the parable of the uh, good father. But it's here that we see one of the most moving moments in Scripture. It's a picture of God's love for us. It's a reminder to me and you that there's nothing that we can do that will keep God from loving us. So I'm just asking that you read along in your Bible as I read this passage for us. As Jesus was talking here and, and, and trying to get His point across to His listeners, in rapid-fire fashion, He talks about the value of each and every individual. And He talks about the parable of the lost sheep. He talks about the parable of the lost coin. And now He's coming to the, the prodigal son. Verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? 
And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, Oh, here's where some of us come in the picture. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, so he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became very angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this young son of yours who squandered your property with uh, prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, my son, the father said, you are always with And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You've probably read that passage dozens of times, maybe even more than that. But it does give us a beautiful picture of some essential aspects of God's love that I think we can just be reminded of very quickly. And this is this. When it comes to understanding God and His love, we, we need to know this. And this is what this passage tells us. His love will let you go. God's love will let you go. Really. Hey parents, you know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, boy, that's in a good scenario, that's even hard. I remember whenever, I remember when I, I was going to Auburn University, we won by yesterday, by the way. Uh, played a little high school team. Uh, but anyhow, so I was going from Grady, Alabama, going off to college. I was going to Auburn University. And oh, it's like I was going to the ends of the earth. It's one hour. One hour. My mama cried. I cried. Daddy cried. I mean, everybody just cried. I was going off to college. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, you know, it's hard in a good situation. I was, you know, I, I was behaving during those days. You know, it's, it's in a good scenario, it's kind of hard to, to let go. But God wants to remind me and you that, listen, He loves you enough to let you go. This son right here, <laughs> this, daddy wasn't, this daddy wasn't blind to what was going on with his son. His son was in the cell. 
His son was into what he could do. You know, he knew that his son was being selfish and he knew that his son was being rebellious. Uh, but perfect love will never force its love on you. It will never hold you and make you. His love will let you go. And I believe probably every one of us, if we were honest, would be able to testify. Yeah, I can testify to that because I've run from God. I've run from Him. And the only reason any of us are back is because of what we will see in this particular passage. It's because of God's love drawing us back and, and, and we allow in the hard knocks of life help us come to our senses. But the first thing is His love will let you go. Second thing is His love will let you hurt. His love will let you hurt. Some of you are going through something right now and, 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 and matter of fact, you want to get angry at God about it, uh, but God will let He will let you hurt. There, there are people that are in situations and, and they're very angry at God. His love will let you hurt. I mean, this guy, this, obviously, this father was a man of means. I mean, he, he, even though it said he went to a distant country, he could have gone after his son. He knew the famine was there. He knew what was going on. How many of us as parents would go and enable our kids, you know, going, oh, well, it's a tough situation. Let's let you have it. Let's help you out on this. No, he'll, he'll let you hurt. Perhaps the hardest and most excruciating thing, you know, for a parent to do. You know, prodigal means recklessly extravagant. But, you know, he got to a place where he was hurting and he was hungry. But I like that phrase, but no one would give him help. No one enabled him. Even God in His sovereignty orchestrated this to where this prodigal Knowing he could have gone home at any time. I mean, when he got bad, he knew he could go home, right? You know, I mean, he knew his daddy was a man of means. He could go home. But what prevented him from going home? I mean, do you see all the stuff? He, he was eating with the pigs. He was eating slop. How many times have we just done the same thing? We're just eating the slop of the world. Why? Because we're too prideful to go home. His love will let you go. His love will let you hurt. Why will God let you hurt? Why will God let me hurt? Because I believe this. I believe that He knows that as our perfect Father, that no pain is beyond His comfort. No pain is beyond His healing. And He knows that without pain, that we won't come to our senses. We just won't come to our senses. It says He came to His senses. God's love will let you go. God's love will let you hurt. But in verse 20, we see that His love will welcome you back with kisses. This guy had gone out. He squandered everything. He prostituted everything he had himself. And he had rehearsed this way, you know, of coming back and be able to try to at least, you know, satisfy his selfish needs, you know, and saying, you know, Dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he'd rehearsed all that, you know, but, you know, can I be your servant? You know, help me out here. Verse 20, let's read that again. 
So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. This is the part that kind of blows you know, our minds, isn't it? The picture of God running. The kisses. I mean, this is the truth about God that many people never experience. That kind of love of God. You know, if this were in the psalm, it would have a silah beside it. Check this out. Pause and think about this. His love will let you go. His love will let you hurt. His love will welcome you back with kisses. We also see that His love forgives you instantly and restores you completely. Forgives you instantly. I mean, He had squandered all this stuff out. But we see in this picture that He was completely restored as a son. Celebrate. Could it be that you are not experiencing the love of God because you're still too prideful to come back to God? Maybe you're ashamed of what you've done. And God is saying, come on. Come on. Look at your situation in the backdrop of the cross. Jesus is already taking care of it. Come to me. Don't be too prideful. There's two other things, and we're just going to hide our plane over. Number number five is this, uh, and it doesn't pertain to that son. His love will let you vent. A lot of you are really good at that. His love will let you vent, and that's what this older brother did. I mean, he was over there. Now, the younger son, he let him go. The the older the older son uh, that wasn't going to come into the party, he went out to him. He's tried to reason with him. Come on, man. You know, I mean, you've been with me this whole time. Come on. And he's mad. Why is he mad? He goes, well, he's in squander all this stuff and you're celebrating him. What is he thinking about there? He's thinking about what he can get from his father rather than being with his father. Perhaps it is one of the reasons that we, we, we really struggle with our love relationship with God is because we've always looked at God for what we can get rather than, than look at to Him for Him. Remember that first statement, His presence is transformational. It's not the presence that He gives us. It's Himself. His presence is transformational. He created us for a relationship with Him, but perhaps where some of us may find ourselves like this older brother, like, good gracious, I've been slaving for you, God. Look at all this stuff. Uh, Well, we've missed the boat already. We've totally missed the boat. We thought it's through our performance or we had earned, you know, this stuff from God. He's going, no, Jesus already did it. Jesus did it. Just enjoy me. Enjoy me. His love will let you vent. Last one, His love is all you need. Look at that that verse. Verse 31, He says, My son, the Father said, You are always with me. 
What's he pointing out? He said, I'm the prize. It's not all this stuff out there. That's not what's going to satisfy. That's not what's going to give you abundant life. I'm the prize. God would cease to be God if He expressed Himself in any other way than perfect love. What's God want you to know? He loves you. Don't be, don't be prideful. Don't be stubborn. Don't be satisfied with the pods in the slop in the pig pen. Come. He says, let us reason that it come. Let me love you and love me. All right, now what does he want us to do? We're going to go through these pretty quick. You're scared, but we're really going to get through it. What does God want you to do? Here we go. Never allow your heart to question God's love settled on the front end of your, des of your desire to know Him and experience Him. He loves you. Never allow your heart to question God's love. How many times have we questioned God's love? Don't do it. Don't just, I just love it. It's a choice. Yeah, there's going to be times when we don't feel like it. It's a choice. We said, okay, gosh, I cannot believe this happened. Oh, I love them so much. God, why is this happening? Never allow your heart to question God's love. How do you do that? Number, here's five quick things. Believe God. Just believe Him. Believe Him. Believe Him. Believe in what? That He loves you. Believe in that He created you for a relationship. Believe, believe Him that like Joe says, I've got this. That you're created for a purpose. Paul understood this. He said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, and all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, believe Him. Believe Him. I don't feel it. Believe Him. Never let your heart question that. Second thing, make the cross your wallpaper. What? What? How many of you have a picture on your a screensaver on your phone? Huh? Anybody? Hey, 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 hey. How many of you? Yeah, you do. And it's the backdrop of all those little icons or apps and stuff like that. And what this is saying right here is let the cross of Christ be the backdrop of everything that happens in your life. You look at, you look at some disappointment, you didn't get that job, or you got contracted some disease, or somebody ditched you, whatever it is, or you're frustrated about it, you let the cross be the reminder. You see the cross every time. Don't let Satan play the game that he's played with so many. He loves you. I put wallpaper there because when I looked down on my phone, it says wallpaper. I thought it was screensaver. What is it? Whatever. Are y'all awake? Y'all good? Okay. Alright, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Does that make sense? 
There'd be a whole lot less whining if we do this. If we just simply let the cross be the backdrop of everything in our life. Number three, what does God want you to do? Stop doing and focus on being. Stop doing and focus on being. This is how we cooperate with His love. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Focus on being. Being what? In right relationship with Him. We're doing people. We're in a doing world. You say, well, if I don't do something, I'm going to get fired. Yeah, well, yeah, but we're talking about spiritually. Page 55. To be loved by God is the highest relationship, the highest achievement, and the highest position in life. God's wanting us to put it in park for just a little bit and do a turnaround and and let being precede doing. Stop doing. Be. Be what? Be in relationship with Him. Be what? Be there. Be there with Him. Stop doing and being. Number three. Four. Live for eternity, not for time. I like this. Live for eternity, not for time. If you live only for time, the here and now, you will miss the ultimate purpose of creation. If you live for time, you will allow your past to shape your life today. Oh, there it is. I mean, this does not describe what's, what has been so many of our problems is that we're living in the here and now and it's like, oh, I get freakish because I want this and I want it to be that way and I want you to look that way and I want this and this. Oh, gosh, we're living for time. When we do, we allow the past to shape us. We allow what happened to us shape us. What people have done to us shape us. Your life as a child of God ought to be shaped by the future. What you will be one day. We are created for eternity. That's powerful right here. This is really powerful. You know, our lives should be shaped by our future. Think about that. I mean, if you were going on a year-long cruise, a good bit of your time before that year-long cruise, you're going to be thinking like, okay, we got to empty out the freezer. You know, we got we got to get all. Oh, I got to we got to go by Coles and Dillard's because Dillard's having a big sale. Got to get you know our attire. You, you, I mean, a lot of your life would be based on this. You know, year long cruise. You're going to you you you're going to get ready for it. Yeah, got to go buy me some you know new suitcases. Got all this stuff because you're going on a cruise. Well, God said, "Hey, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven." hey we're going to heaven let your life be shaped by that and actually he's saying and there's a lot more room up here tell your friends oh no sir no 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 God because I'm so preoccupied right now no 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 really tell your friends because Jesus loves them Gosh, so much of the stuff that just messes us up and gets us all twisted up is because we live for time and not for eternity. God forgive us. Number five. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to do it. Because guess what? Everything we just talked about, you can't do. You can't do it. So just ask the Holy Spirit to do it. All that belongs to the Father, Jesus said when He was talking to His disciples, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. There's not a chance that you and you alone or I and I alone will be able to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength apart from Him doing it. And you know what that requires? That requires us coming to an end of our resources and coming an end to an end of ourself. See, that, that son did not go back to his dad. Uh, he didn't go back to his dad when he first got hungry. He didn't, got, he didn't go back to his dad when he you know, ran out of money or got hungry. He didn't even go back to his dad when he, when he realized he needed a job. Probably the first time in his life he ever felt some kind of pain. You know, because... He didn't go back to his dad until he came to an end of his resources and he came to an end of himself. And there was no pride. He came and he humbled himself before his father. He was going to try to... He still didn't see his father perfectly because he thought that, you know, he'd have to grovel up to his dad. And he didn't see the kisses coming. What God wants us to do is just come to a place to just say, Spirit of the living God, do this because I want, I want to know God better and I want to love Him more. Holy Spirit, do this because I want to feel loved. Holy Spirit, do this because I'm I'm desperate for love. I'm made to be loved and I'm made to love. Joe, I just I just keep reminding myself of Joe. I woke up that next morning and said, I didn't even think of it. Why, Joe? God's got this. That comes from a father that loves you madly. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for today. We thank You for the privilege that we've had to come together to sit at Your feet. Lord, I just pray that you, through Your presence here today that, Lord, there would be transformation that happens in our hearts. Perhaps there's some, somebody here today and you've, you've struggled with that. I mean, you've gone to church all your life, but you can identify so well with that older brother and you're, you know, you're just going like, golly. And you're, you're, you've been serving. You see yourself as slaving before God all these years and all this stuff keeps happening to you and it's so frustrating. Give it up. Give it up. It's not about your performance. It's not about doing. It's about being. Jesus loves you. God loves you. He just wants you. And He wants you to experience His love. He wants you to know that even in the midst of the storm, that you will not be shaken. That He's got a purpose for your life. Lay it down. Lay it down. 
perhaps perhaps God's calling you today and He's saying, just come on back. Come on back. You've been out there. Yeah, there's been some good stuff. But you're created for eternity. Come on back. But for each and every one of us, my prayer is that each of us would be still and let God love us. Father, we thank You for this moment. We thank You for Your presence. Jesus, thank You for the cross. Forgive us for all the times that we complain and fuss because of the circumstances of our life. May we, may we be reminded by Your Holy Spirit each and every time we are tempted to complain. May through Your Spirit You show us the cross and the ultimate sacrifice. May we know in our hearts, may we know that we know that You love us and that in all things you work for the good of those that you love and that love you. Transform us individually, transform our church so that we can be a beacon to a world that desperately, that desperately needs you, that obviously has a totally misguided picture of who you are. May we be salt. May we be light. May we be ambassadors. May we live for eternity. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.